94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. This is where we bring in Hawaii's leaders and experts to talk about the issues you care about and uh, answer your questions. And uh, since it is Aloha Friday, you know who is with us yeah. today. That would be Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Woo-hoo. He is the uh, COVID-19 health care liaison for the state. And uh, good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning. I'm sorry I'm not there in person. I'm off in Hilo on assignment. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, I mean, top of mind naturally for our listeners, for everybody in Hawaii, is the question now about the reopening of Hawaii to incoming tourism. How are we feeling about still going with August 1st? I think that the consensus in general, among, I'm not, and I'm not talking about people in elected office, the consensus in general is we have to have control of COVID-19 before anything can really open, whether it's here or in the mainland or wherever. So... Until we get control of the virus, it's not safe or fair to people to, to try to force anything open. And I think you'll hear a reflection of that from the governor today, but I will leave it to him to make the specific announcements about what he thinks we're capable of. And then I can unpack it further for you. What does that mean till we get control of it? What that means is that we don't have any doubt that we can contact, trace, and test those contacts of all the, of all the people out there that get COVID. And we've heard in the last day or two, I don't care what they say, that they're worried. The Department of Health is worried that with surges, even we had 41 and then 23, essentially, you know, we dropped down a little bit. That worried them because, remember, it's a rolling day, day after day, adding up the cases. If they can't trace and track enough people, then we can't insert other variables that could increase the risk in cases in Hawaii. So we, everyone wants a magic number. If it's in the 30s, consistently, I think eventually that the political pressure and the people pressure is going to be too big to allow for anything else until that gets under control. They're working on some absolutes, and none of this is perfectly absolute because, as you know, what really matters is whether people get better, mm-hmm. whether our hospitals can keep people from dying. That's why every day I give you these updates on how many ICU beds and ventilators are available, which has been very good. I can say it again. But the... Um, the truth is, is there's not a magic number, but as long as we can trace enough cases, all of them, we're good. Also, another wrinkle, of course, this week was the conversation that we didn't have as many tests as we'd like because that one laboratory called Roche was pulling back the reagents for DLS. But we still do have plenty of tests. That cost us 550 tests a day, which is closer to 10%, not 50%, just so people really know. Mm-hmm. And the Department of Health has 25,000 stockpiled tests at the state lab, 25,000 for an emergency. So it's also something that should reassure people. If we had today, we had today to test 10,000 people, we can do it. So if we have a disaster strike, we're prepared to do that. But I, I really want people to know today is, what is today? July, today's July like 10th or something? Yes. Mm-hmm. Track mm-hmm. all, every day is the same in the COVID <laughs> era. But, um, so July's 10, today is July 10th, three weeks from today is uh, essentially the 1st of August, I think people can expect that that date will get pushed. I don't want to make the announcement because I think the governor needs to tell to search his heart this morning and decide finally what is best. But no matter what, we have to stop the virus or stop the spread from being out of control. Um, so there's that. Let me tell you specifically how you do that. You have 500 contact tracers. You don't have 50, you don't have 30 that are kind of working you don't have people on hold in case you have 500 of them and they do it for this year from now until next 
early summer, like till June 1st, you pay those salaries and you have every last little nook and cranny. You look, look under every stone for anyone who's had a contact. And that's how you keep the numbers. You don't do this in a half-baked way. And I'm not saying that the Department of Health is half-baked. I'm saying that they are not fully committed. Director Anderson is not fully committed because he doesn't see... Normally, you don't overstaff for a problem. Well, this one you have to because you have a pandemic and everything else depends on keeping the virus from spreading out of control. So you have those 500 contact tracers active and searching for the virus, and you test whoever you have to. And that is the way to control it. That gives you the capacity to actually have the discussion. Can we open up the tourism? Can we have bars open and so on? So it's a fundamental misunderstanding that you just kind of go slow until you have to respond. That's not how you deal with a pandemic like this. Lieutenant Governor, so as far as what's going on with the mainland, uh, what's going on with California, yeah. what's going on with Florida, is, in your opinion, is that what has been the problem? Is that they haven't had the contact yeah. tracing? And that's why these uh, these humongous outbreaks are happening? Well, they, uh, that's a pretty good that's a pretty nuanced question, and it's correct. Yeah, that, um, what everyone will tell you, and I and I think Bruce and Sarah are right about this, is things got so hellaciously bad that it became impossible. They let things get out of control, and that was what really set me off earlier this week into a tirade about the Department of Health, is because they said in some emails to us, "Hey, if it gets too bad, we just won't even be able to contact trace anymore. We won't be able to do it." And I say, "Don't let it get there." We have, the, we have the capability, unlike almost anyone else, because we're isolated, to no matter what, commit ourselves. And it's not the whole game. I know Sarah Park's out there listening right now, gritting her teeth and swearing about me, but <laughs> she's saying it's not the whole game, Tracy. It's not the whole game, of course. It's wearing masks, it's social distancing. Those are brilliant comments that she's made. Absolutely mm-hmm. correct. I've heard that. And, it's, and also it's testing as you need. Of course, that's also a huge part of it. But... Those states, you're right, it got out of control. They did a couple things. There's a little di- some differences. In some states, they just said COVID's not really a threat. These are the red states, and their, ma- their governors sold them down the river, okay? Mm-hmm. They killed their people by doing that because that, the, for three or four weeks when they were saying we have to open up to make sure President Trump is happy with us, it all hell broke loose, and now you can't catch it up. And it's true. Once it gets to a certain point where it's everywhere, you can't contact trace because you're contact tracing everybody. For Hawaii, we can do what California and New York and those guys can no longer do. And let me say this. Department of Health has done some wonderful things, wonderful things, extraordinary to keep the virus at bay at different times. But this game is not – you don't win this in the second inning of the baseball game. You have to go all the way to the end. And if you get pounded into oblivion by the virus in the seventh inning, you've lost. So – I know baseball season is postponed, but I wanted to give some baseball fans a little hope today. And that is the way you got to do it. And it's, it's, it's a tiny, tiny commitment and price to pay to be able to restore our economic health, to make sure that we don't have, first and foremost, no spread of the disease, 
that's what you have to do. Now, we've talked for a while now about having that initial coronavirus test, 72 hours for our visitors coming in, you know, 72 hours before they arrive. Um, if they don't do right. that, then they got to do the 14-day quarantine. And the city council has talked about having a second layer of testing after they get here um, and, and so forth. Can you talk about, it, the, in your opinion, the initial proposal with the 72 hours or quarantine, is that adequate or is the city council onto something? there they're right if i may they're right a second test will provide a whole lot of extra security and believe me that the proposal that came out of Kauai, their proposal was have everybody tested before which is what i'm saying and they also wanted to add the second test but that was vetoed as an idea by the governor and the department of health that's a great idea i totally support that and so that may be what we ultimately have to do but i want to you guys want the truth i'll give you the truth the department of health are fantastic people, but they live in a world where it is inflexible that you deal with these epidemiologic principles. And they do not want ER doctors like me or other people in these committees making decisions or recommendations because they're purists. And the good news is they're purists. They will, they will give you the best recommendation. The bad news is they're purists. They can't <laughs> make decisions for the economy. They can't make decisions for tourism. They can't make decisions for other public safety concerns because they will never budge off of we got to be 99 plus percent safe we have to have a b c d and e when the real world is utterly messy it is not like that and i know because i'm on call tomorrow in the real world i'm here with these cars in helo in the real world i'm also i was privy to 14 years of legislative realities and i can tell you that's not a purist community okay <laughs> and then finally I'm seeing it from the perspective of lieutenant governor. I see the stresses and strings on the governor and the mayors, God bless them. And this ideal vision, which is, is really important. And so I know that Sarah and Bruce probably think I hate them. I don't. What I hate is the fact that they don't, they're unable to see that there is no way that their processes will work if you want at any point, at any point, to have a realistic process of restoring Hawaii. Because there will be virus for a long time. We can, we can make the decision. We absolutely can make the decision to keep our cases utterly low. And believe me, they're still utterly low compared to the mainland. Mm-hmm. But if we do that for the next year, and, and that would be a decision, if we do this through to next year, you will see the following. You'll see a couple hundred thousand people, maybe as high as 300,000 people, go through extraordinary economic suffering. Many will leave the state. And they'll have to go and set up shop in other states. We would contract the state down to about more like a million people. We would contract the future of tourism very significantly. And along the way, there would be quite a lot of suffering for people in the middle class. And I'm saying, of course, do not sacrifice anyone's safety or health, but know what the consequence is. And if if you're prepared to let all those small businesses go away and to absolutely restart Hawaii, then you'll take that road. That's what the governor is trying to balance, and that's what I'm trying to advise them on, which is why, it's a very long way to say, why having a test at least decreases some risk, having a kind of tracing decreases a lot of risk, doing all the other stuff that Sarah and Bruce talk about, like hand washing and masks, very critical. You do those things, you actually could open the economy and get Hawaii going again probably September 1st or sooner. If you don't do those things, if you take what I've described as the lazy approach, 
If you don't do those things and you don't open up until 2021, you're not hurting people who are rich. You're hurting regular people and you're hurting them badly. I can tell you horror story after horror story and they're very real. Some people will not recover from this. Yeah, and that's so why a, I'm so yeah. passionate about it. We had questions from Facebook uh, from a lot Great. of people. We kind of wanted to get to some of those, so I hope you'll uh, you'll bear with us here. Joseph Cam is asking uh, about reports that Tripler now has a new machine that can process a thousand COVID nineteen tests a day. So he's wondering whether the state is looking into uh, you know getting machines like this, and then maybe indeed test up uh, you know the tourists who are coming in. Maybe that might be the second layer of testing that we've been discussing here. What do you think about that? great it's true and the department of health is looking at that and investing some of the 50 million dollar grant that they got from the feds apparently in that kind of thing mm. i don't know if it's going to come in time but it'll be there we will wake up sometime in the fall and be able to test 10,000 15,000 people a day uh that will happen but can't happen soon enough Carol Ann Urban is asking about um, about whether there is any way to improve the quarantine situation. She says she had a neighbor bragging about how he just flew in from New York, flashed his badges at the airport, and they told him, oh, go ahead, don't even worry about registering. He said it was a joke, and he comes and goes whenever he wants. And he's, she says, if we can't even keep up with residents coming home, what happens when we open to tourism? I've recommended that we have a quarantine hotel on every island and mm. that anyone who doesn't have their test goes into the quarantine hotel. I asked the attorney general if that's legal. It would certainly be challenged by people who don't like quarantine, but it would, up, it would be upheld as, as legal and we could do it. Political will, if you don't have that political will, we're going to see that we have a continuously porous uh, quant, you know, quarantine system, like a sieve. So people should use my plan and do that. Okay. Okay, Thank you very much. just to clarify, so A.G. Claire Connors, she said that that would be legal to, to do a quarantine hotel on each island? Yes, she said actually you have to be a little bit more broad than that. You have to have quarantine, you have to have hotels more broadly that were designated specifically as quarantine sites. So there was some minor choice, but yes, she did suggest she felt it would hold up in court and be legal, and we would check it and test it. Okay, and then so where, where does that uh, proposal lie now? As of now, we're not doing it because it takes a lot of crazy amount of hard work and we've not really quite had the political will to go all the way there. This is the kind of thing that the governor would have to simply decide to do. It would be costly, but costly compared to what? To being closed and having $2 billion of lost revenue? Costly compared to having everyone be unemployed? So, got one from Nancy Dela Cruz. This one, pretty simple, actually. Well, I mean... A simple question. Uh, how long should we change our fabric masks during the day if we need to wear them for a long period of time? Every four hours. Uh, I'm sorry, did you say every four hours? Every four hours, change your mask over if you can. It's imperfect science, but have two of them for the work day. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Nice. All right. Okay. Um, here is a question regarding the reopening of public schools, because as we've been reporting uh, this morning on uh, the Rise and Drive, last night uh, the Board of Education had a virtual meeting and about 2,000 parents flooded that virtual meeting with testimony. Most of the testimony was asking to change. Uh, right now, the, the state is saying that uh, students don't have to wear masks in class, or at least that is an, uh, one of the options. 
and also that students only have to be three feet apart instead of six feet apart. And some parents were unhappy with that. Um, a lot of parents also were suggesting delaying the August 4th start of school. Um, and so the board actually held off on signing off on a memorandum of understanding uh, regarding the return of school on August 4th. And so instead they held off on that vote and they're going to uh, postpone and do it later. So um, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that the, um, the, the recommendations from the state for how the schools would reopen, do, are they okay? Do you, are you with that? Well, it's not a question of being okay or with them because Christina uh, Ishimoto is fantastic and she's done an incredible amount of hard work. You have to understand that she's trying to reach a compromise with tens of thousands of parents, right? It's an mm-hmm. impossible job and the teachers union and the teachers. So you want to do it absolutely by the book. You're going to have to go six feet. You're going to have to have masks for at least all kids, I would say 12 and older. And you're going to have to realize that you are going to have some minor number of cases. But here's a couple of points that people need to know. Less than 2% of all COVID cases in the world, less than 1.8% of all COVID cases in the United States have been under age 18 for kids. Very small risk. The fatalities have been almost non-existent for kids. We're talking about protecting teachers and spread back to parents and, and grandparents. Is that That's because really the schools have been here. closed, though? No, because it's been the whole world. So, And kids are out there also in society. So very, very few kids have gotten it. It's because there's testing bias, probably, because it's not really right to test kids, which is why it was a really silly idea to force us to test all the way down to age two, I know Kirk was pounding away on me on that, but that's a mistake. Zero cases, zero positive cases up in Alaska after 5,000 tests in under age 10, just so mm. you know, zero. But, of course, what will happen will be, and it's fine, the, um, the Board of Education and the superintendent, they don't want to hurt uh, parents, they don't want to scare them, and they don't want to not listen. So they will, I'm sure, compromise. And the compromise will be this. If you have to go to six feet, then it will not be possible to open most classrooms and they'll have to further have education from home. And you see where this goes. Yeah. If you have to have more education from home, then you have more and more parents that are single moms or single dads and they have to go to work. And so how are you going to do that? And that's going to make a difference. So everyone is just trying to navigate risk. And so the idea, and, and I, I, I respect every single one of those 2000 parents that wrote in, Everyone's got a slightly different human circumstance at home for themselves, whether they have to go to work, whether they are deathly afraid because they've got a parent of their own in the household that's got cancer and is on chemotherapy. And they don't want to they don't want to have them get infected and die. Everyone's got a different circumstance. And so that's why what Christina proposed was pretty much maximum flexibility, where parents can choose whether or not to have their kids go into the physical classroom and whether schools can choose whether or not they have the capacity to, to have enough you know space for kids it's just going to be a messed up year and that's the just reality when you've got a global pandemic so people shouldn't complain about it they should just accept it's going to be a messed up year we're all going to do our best to help educate our kids at home i got one kid in private school one kid in public school okay and we're going to we're going to make sure both of these two kids get a fantastic education this year at their schools and at home but it's going to be a lot of work, and that's just what happens when you have something like this. Mm. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, another question related to the schools. This is Brandy, and she says, with the announcement of the projected public schools plans for the school year, how is it expected for working parents with young children to continue to work 
and homeschool their children? Is it a concern that kids will fall behind uh, without face-to-face learning? How will how will we help you stimulate the economy if parents can't work? She's right on. Here's what my proposal would mm. be, and but I'm not the I'm not the exact right person to ask this. Okay, my my proposal would be every kid under age ten or twelve, depending on where the the cutoffs are for numbers. Every one of them goes to school full time. They're very very low risk. They wear masks when they're in closer contact but they do their very best to diminish spread. You can't get them all to wear masks, you know, effectively because little kids will not wear it, but the risk is very low. You allow the teachers to socially distance behind, you know, an extra 10 feet or so. That's a compromise that you make. And then the older kids that you don't have to be at home with the same way, the older children Mm -hmm. have an option of either doing school from home or not. And we have to be flexible. That's the only plan that's really going to work in the end for most families. And even then, there's, of course, going to be some nuance because one size does not fit all. Don't think that we're, I know that we're going to struggle and that we're not going to meet all the standards that we'd like to, but no one's going to be held to the same standard for testing scores or what we expect from our, our didactic learning from books and math and everything. Everyone knows that 2020 is going to be the year of survival. And Everyone knows that 2021 is going to be better. So when we have these battles, please don't take it personally and don't take it out on these tough decision makers. That, I mean, the decision makers have to make tough, tough decisions like, uh, like Christina. Like, if you got to take it out, don't take it on. You got to take it out on me. You know, that's better. <laughs> it's really tough out there right now, and nothing's going to work perfectly. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, I, I, I want to walk you through a scenario, and I, I want you to uh, help me with something because uh, a friend of mine called – Uh, me yesterday we were talking about things and it made me a little nervous uh, because he said okay so I had someone who I go to the gym with who caught COVID-19 right Um, but they go Monday Wednesday Friday I go Tuesday and Thursday so I don't need to test right I'm good right I don't have to worry about it two two to three hours after that that gym was cleaned Mm -hmm. it's like a new lease on life totally fine if you are right next to somebody and they're puffing and puffing and you guys are spending a lot of time together and you don't socially distance and you find out later they had COVID, you were at extra risk. But for that circumstance, totally, totally safe. And okay. also remember, most people are safe. Most people are not going to have significant symptoms. And these are young people exercising, less risk, and even asymptomatic carriers are still not super spreaders. So all the risks fall in your favor. Could you catch it? Sure. But you're more likely to catch it when you spent, you know, 10 to 15 minutes or more directing contact with somebody, not wearing a mask and not socially distanced. So all the other scenarios out there, your waiter delivered food to you and you find out later they were COVID positive. The guy at the gym two days before or the day before was positive and he likes to use the same weights you do. It's just not risky. We are talking with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. One of our listeners, uh, Cynthia Nishimura, is asking, she says, when the number of COVID cases are announced, is it possible for the public to be told where positive results occurred, such as exactly which gym, et cetera, so we can make a better decision on where we choose to go? And if it's known that COVID spread could have come from a large gathering at a particular beach, it might also prove to non-believers of masks and social distancing that it happened at a gathering just like their own. Yes, it is possible, and it should be done. 
the current way the Department of Health handles that is if a gym or a business or a restaurant has a case and they do a good job of telling all of their patrons and they do a good job of tracing, then they don't out them and they clean it up and let it go. If people resist that, then they announce the name. Now, it's an imperfect solution. I don't think it's a particularly great one. I think it's better there on the side of openness, but you can see the pitfall, right? It's not really necessarily a gym or a bar's fault if a case walks through its doors. And if you tell people that a case was there mm-hmm. and they've done a great job and done all the right things, you basically ended the very business that is the one you want, which is the ones that worked well, that were mm-hmm. diligent. Mm-hmm. And if you end those ones, all of the crappy businesses that refuse to wear masks, that refuse to take it seriously, all the business goes there, and you've done exactly the opposite of what you wanted to have happen. Mm. So, you know, it's better off to have standards. I've spent a lot of time recently talking to restaurants and bars about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They want us to point the finger at the really bad players, and they want to be held to account when they've done a good job. And if we do that hard work, it's a lot of hard work. It's another reason that if you have 500 tracers, then the Department of Health Director and the epidemiologist don't have to constantly chase down these other small problems. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, can we take a moment to talk about the uh, open streets thing on Kalakaua Avenue? What do you think of these? Are those contributing? And and, uh, do we still even have the July 4th spike still coming? The idea of having um, street parties, street fairs and events, it it sounds nice. It's a friendly way to encourage business to get going again and so on, but it's, it's unnecessary risk. It's not the risk you want to be taking. I know that you could say, well, we're telling people it's outdoors, which is good. Yeah, it is outdoors. But if you ask a thousand people to cluster in one spot, you've made a truly stupid mistake. It's really a mistake to do that. Not because you can't get safe. Of course, if everyone wears masks and everyone has some magical you know, force field around them where they're six feet apart from everybody else that's not in their family, sure, it will work. But doing it now when we're having the surge is a tactical error, and it's not necessary. It's not going to help any anybody significantly. Do I want people to go to Chinatown? Of course. Of course I do. I want them to go there in their own family group and be separated. Do I want to encourage a 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000 people all at once? No, that's like dropping a theater nuclear bomb of, of, uh, of COVID onto a community. That's the last thing you want to do. A, it's essentially like having a, a big event in an outdoor venue. It, it really, any, any encouragement of social gatherings is fraught with risk. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, so one of our listeners, he's asking if you can smell someone's tobacco or vape smoke, does that mean it's possible that COVID could be in that as well in the droplets? Uh, it's not really that it's in the smoke. What it is is that you, your proximity has now uh, gone to less than what is safe. Mm. And that's really what we're kind of talking. Although I've seen some pretty long plumes of like vaping and such, but the, the truth is that, that you've now, you're, you're now too close to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the things that people should be doing is they should be going to restaurants with their family and, and doing that kind of spend. They should be going to staycations and being careful. They should be going to the beach and in, the, in their own group of 10 have a wonderful day, but not have it be bigger. They should be going to on long walks and, and long bike rides 
with their immediate bubble, their family. But the other way of going into a gathering where there might be three to 5,000 people of whom you're going to come across a lot, it's, um, it's added risk. Do I think the sky will fall? Probably not. I don't want to be a party pooper, but I do, I don't, I do think that it's not the thing we should be recommending. I, I don't think that that's smart. And I, and I certainly don't know why you would suddenly do it now when our numbers are highest. Mm-hmm. You told me two of the last three days have been our highest ever, ever. So you tell me, does it make sense? I'll ask you the question. Does it make sense to have a gathering of several thousand people? Uh, Lieutenant Governor, I think one of the things that's happening is I'm, I'm seeing a bunch of Facebook math from people where they're like, well, you know, we got all these people surviving. And in Hawaii, we only got 40 people. I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, well. So they think it's they think 40... it's this this lie that we're perpetuating, uh, you know, and and it's come down to parties, unfortunately. But you know, look, I got a ton of Republican friends, and I got a ton of Democratic friends, and all this such. But it's not a, it's not a political question. This is an epidemiologic and healthcare question. And because people have sacrificed, because they've done well, we don't have that terrible outcome. If we let down our guard, our outcomes will get worse. And the worse it gets, the more people more will be taken seriously by people. The less serious it is, the more of this, oh, it's never an issue you'll get. But this is a scientific problem. And the scientific reality is we have no immunity. If we get too much spread because we let down our guard or if we do uh, reopen in, inappropriately or, or incorrectly or unsafely, we'll suffer. And I don't want to see anyone suffer. So... This is a year of sacrifice, and if we do a really good job, we may even salvage the second half of the year. Mm. But that's really what it boils down to. And so when I see silly risks or unnecessary risks, it frustrates me because so much sacrifice has been made that I'd hate to give it all back in you know, inside of 10 days. You can see how fast this spreads, right? Yeah, California's, you know, the, California's the biggest example. I mean, it, they were doing so well, and then all of just yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Dr. Anthony Fauci and the president have been sparring over this issue about the death rate. And, you know, the president pointing to a relatively low death percentage. And Dr. Fauci has said that's a false narrative to focus only on the percentage of deaths and say that is acceptable. Is that a false narrative to only focus on the percentage of deaths? Of course. Uh, Trump is a political animal. He only he. He, he only is really interested in focusing, and I understand this, on what he can make a case for so that he will somehow survive this politically. Um, Fauci is a health expert, and he's correct. If, if someone gets this disease, and even if they live, they could suffer severe chronic lung disease afterwards for months or years or for a lifetime. They could have immune compromise. This is what happens with viruses. So it's just part of the story. Look, the death, actually, the death rate is enough to compel people. It should be enough to compel people to, to listen, wear masks, socially distance, and, and, and you know, decrease contact. Mm-hmm. That should be enough. But in this crazy age of electoral politics, Trump is just making a calculation, unfortunately, that he can somehow convince people that it's not so bad. He can still win re-election. And that's why he's saying these things. Mm. Fauci, amazingly, is withstanding some of that pressure uh, and is, is trying to tell the truth the best he can. Recapping the issue about the reopening of tourism here in Hawaii. So when do you think, when do you think we should reopen to tourism? 
I think we should open to tourism when we've controlled the virus. And I think we can control the virus very well uh, over the next six weeks. I think we should set that as our aspirational date, which would be September 1st. But if it's bad, if it's raging still on July 15th, I'd push it back another month. If you were going to do it just straight by the by the book for the best recommendation, that's what I would recommend. It, you know, there's a lot going on. There are a lot of a lot of things that we can't control, like how bad the virus is on the mainland, whether we're able to test and trace enough people here in Hawaii. We can control pretty well, but not perfectly, as you've seen. Mm-hmm. So control what we can make sure that people aren't getting sick and then begin to restore our own um, our own economic health and, and security. I'm very worried about people and how they're going to suffer if they no longer can pay their their mortgage or or yeah. for food. I'm very worried. So that's why I would approach it with hope for September 1st and then be adjust be ready to adjust if necessary. Okay. Thank you very much uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Thank you sir. You bet.